listen to. I'm your host, Peter, and I'm here with my co-host, Lee. Hi there. And today, we're going back to the 90s. Yeah. Specifically, the day the 90s died, Oh. the Woodstock 99 Music Festival. Ugh. If you've been listening to us, uh, we covered some music festivals in our Tragedy Tuesdays. Last time, I think, was Lee with the uh, Altamont Free Concert. That's right. Uh, there'll be some parallels. Indeed. But we'll uh, we'll get into that. Yeah. So first, maybe a little bit of housekeeping. Um, still, a lot of new listeners. Thanks for coming. Oh, uh, it's incredible. Hopefully, you're enjoying what you hear. Uh, I would hazard a guess to say yes, because it seems like some of you are coming back. <laughs> if you're coming back, then thanks for coming back. Yeah. So uh, That's really great. Some people ask, best way to help us, uh, subscribe. So it seems like a lot of people are doing that. Uh, leave us a review wherever you listen. That that helps a lot. Um, iTunes or really anywhere. Um you think we're doing well? Make it, make it a good one. Make it a good one. Yeah. Make it five uh, stars. You know, Helps if we're doing, get some exposure. If if it does for sure. If you think we're, uh, if you think we're sucking it up, uh, get in touch. Uh, and you know what? If we deserve that one, give us a one. Yeah. If you, you know really what? feel like we deserve a yeah. one star, then <laughs> give us one. If you're that kind of person. Yeah. Not, not to say, you do you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You do you. Do that, and then. Make sure you can Get look at yourself your, in the mirror is what yeah, I'm saying. While you're leaving reviews on Yelp <laughs> on restaurants. <laughs> and that's what you're like. I'm trying to encourage integrity <laughs> in our listeners. That's part of it. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Okay, so today uh, we're going off book. Um, again, if you're if you're new, uh, or maybe you missed us uh, say this a, a couple times, most of the time the disasters are inspired by this book that I have uh, by Reader's Digest called Great Disasters. It's a book that was published in 89 and it kind of covers like the history of disasters and like little snippets. So usually we pick a disaster out of that one, do our own little supplemental research and tell you that story. That's right. This one's off book because 1999 came that. 10 years after 1989. Yeah. But, you know, we'll talk about that too. <laughs> so this is all our own research. A um, couple of sources on this one. Um, didn't read any books per se, but a lot of articles. Uh, we'll probably link those in the description of the episode if you want to check them out yourself. Um, but needless, needless to say, there's a lot of coverage. Yes. So let's dive in. Here we go. To the summer of 69. Yeah. I'm giving you a little bit of research. <laughs> a little, little bit of backstory. Join us, Brian Adams fans. Yep, yep. So, uh, and Lee, feel free at any point to jump in. Cause, uh, again, if you're new, Lee's kind of like the music. I dig music, man. Yeah. We, we both do, but Lee's like the encyclopedia. Basically. No, I'm not. Encyclopedia. I've, I've got some stuff to say. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so 69. Uh, I'm just going to start off by introducing four names here because they're going to come up a little bit, uh, one of them in particular. But we got Michael Lang, Artie Cornfield, uh, Joel Rosenman, and John Roberts. Yeah. So Roberts and Rosenman were entrepreneurs that invested in the music industry uh, in the 60s, and they did pretty well for themselves. Uh, yep. In early 1969, Roberts and Rosenman were building a recording studio in New York City. Right. Uh, Lang and Cornfield, on the other hand, uh, so they had a lawyer and he suggested that they get in touch with Roberts and Roseman because they were looking to finance a similar recording studio, uh, in a different part of New York. Okay. Specifically Woodstock. Right. So uh, they, I guess they meet up, uh, and Roberts and Roseman, the two investors were kind of like, uh, nah, not interested <laughs> in a studio, but this is a pretty sweet spot for a festival. Yeah. Um, so they counterproposed a concert featuring Woodstock familiars like Bob Dylan and the band. Who were at others. the time uh, locals, I think. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I couldn't. Okay. Something like you that. Would, I, I don't know if they were lo locals or they played the local scene a lot, but they were uh, Woodstock 
adjacent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll say that. Um, In my notes here next to the band, I I made a note for myself to slow clap. So I'm just going to do that. The band. We got a running theme here about uh, names and the effort that goes into names. The band. Yeah. That's like, I don't mind making fun of them because I think they're terrible. Okay, I haven't actually heard the music per se. Again, another little uh, you have, you just don't realize. It's okay, fair name. enough. But um, yeah. I, but I've I've come across that name a few times, and it's like good the band. Did you did you release the album where <laughs> yeah. every track is the music? <laughs> anyway, they should have. <clears throat> so they initiated preparation for the Woodstock Festival, which was going to take place August fifteenth to seventeenth, nineteen sixty nine, and it ended up technically being fifteenth to the eighteenth. But we'll talk about that. Groovy. So uh, the working relationship was a bit strained. Okay. Uh, Lang saw it as a kind of laid back joint venture. He was like, yeah. let's see what happens, man. Yeah, man. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, Roberts and Rosman uh, were much more focused and methodical. <laughs> it turns <laughs> out uh, successful entrepreneurs know how to manage money and business relationships. Buzz kills. Yeah. Can Chillax. You? So Lang couldn't find a venue uh, and Roberts and Rosman hit the road to find the spot themselves. Okay. Basically. So they bounced around <laughs> a few times. The festival location bounced around a few times before landing on Max Yasger's Dairy Farm in Bethel, southeastern New York. That's right. Um, so the organizers told authorities that they expected around 50,000 att- attendees. Right. Which we'll see how that went. <laughs> it's a um, lot. Yeah, yeah. And all this, like, it's a little bit of a history lesson, but as as you might have noticed in all of ours, the history is important to build up to where we end up. <clears throat> yes, of course. So obviously there was a last minute venue change and it left them with two options, mm-hmm. which is to build gates and ticket booths without which they would lose any profit they hope to make uh-huh. or build a stage for the bands um, without which the attendees would be furious. So they decided to build <laughs> the stage. one or the other. Yeah, basically like, can we, Good call. do we make money? Or do we risk having a sea of angry fans? Uh-huh. A sea of angry fans. Keep that image in mind. <laughs> so this is how, uh, that's kind of how like Woodstock is always known as like the free concert. Yeah. Um, it ended up being. Ended up being the free concert yeah. because, so it was, it, and importantly, this will come up again. The festival was designed as a profit making venture. Yeah. Um, the tickets were $18 in advance and planned to go on sale for $24 at the gate. Which, if you convert that for in from sixty nine to modern day, it's one hundred twenty bucks and one hundred sixty bucks. Which sounds about right. From yeah, yeah, I mean, and we'll we'll see what the ticket prices were in ninety nine as well. <laughs> um, so here's the thing: they sold one hundred eighty six thousand advance tickets. Jeez, and they anticipated a turnout of about two hundred thousand. Okay, uh, if you remember, they told the Bethel authorities that they expected around fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. So, and I think they, they made that deal with the authorities after they had sold all these advanced tickets. So, <laughs> and also they're selling the advanced tickets. So they know, they know, they didn't up. cut it off at 50. Anyway. No. Um, Shrug. So without the fences in place, which if you remember, they skimped on because they couldn't, they didn't have the time and the resources to put them both up. You need the stage. People just wandered through the gaps in the fencing, making Woodstock a free concert. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote. Um, also... <laughs> A little more than 50,000 people showed up. Uh-huh. Uh, and actually a little more than 200,000. How many people ended up showing uh, up, Ah, well, Peter? we'll get there. Okay. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. We'll get yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, no, All we'll right. get there. I think we'll get there. Hmm. I, I make that promise a lot. And, so, and lately I've been delivering. <laughs> but anyway, so there was a, uh, so the massive influx of attendees created a nightmare traffic jam. Yeah. Uh, rain softened the roads and fields leading to the venue, which made things worse. Mm-hmm. 
sanitation and first aid facilities were woefully inadequate. (laughs) (laughs) This is a woeful situation. Yeah. Um, So, well, so Sullivan County, uh, which I guess is right, uh, is where Bethel is located. They declared a state of emergency. Uh, That's right. Uh, Roberts talked the governor of New York down from ordering 10,000 New York State National Guard troops to the festival. So like good call. Yeah, maybe uh don't don't have that happen. Maybe don't send in the army. No, yeah. To yeah. the peace and love. That festival. would be great. That would be great. <laughs> uh in total there were two fatalities. Uh one due to improper insulin usage and the other when an attendee was run over by a tractor while sleeping in a neighboring field. Oh gosh. Yeah. Kind of a bummer. <laughs> but technically I guess neither of those were directly caused by the festival. Don't sleep in fields. Don't sleep maybe. in fields where there's tractors. Yeah. You know. Not just for show. Uh, so Jimi Hendrix with the final act. Uh, he was scheduled for Sunday evening, but they didn't end up playing until 8.30 on Monday morning. Right. Uh, him playing the festival is kind of like the iconic image of the 60s and like the sure. psychedelic culture. He's got like the redhead scarf, white leather jacket. He's playing the Star Spangled Banner. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Rock and, that's and like, roll style. That's the 60s, right? That's that's, that's like the image of the 60s for a lot of people. Yeah. And so despite the nightmarish conditions, everyone left Woodstock 69 pretty happy. They kind of recognized it as a defining moment of the 60s. Yeah, they pulled it off. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a lot more detail about 69, and I'm sure you were like itching to like vomit it all at me. <laughs> but we're, we're focused on a later version of Woodstock. Maybe we'll come back to 69 at some point. But that's basically the, the bullet 69 points. Festival? Yeah. Well, you've basically summed it up. Yeah. Right? Like it, was, it, was a, it was a situation that shouldn't have worked, but it did. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Exactly. And it kind of... Is funny. I guess the things to keep in mind um, were the fact that, like, it became known as a free concert, but yeah. the intention was always to make money off oh, of it. Oh, yeah. It was a money making venture. That yeah. Was, so, it was just laughable. It just didn't happen. <laughs> um, and I guess it kind of, that that's a theme that's going to repeat and maybe led to some of the issues with 99. Just so to make a bit of money. Give you the history of the Woodstocks. I thought this was interesting because uh, in my mind, it was basically like the original Woodstock that happened in the 60s. And then the next one I heard about was 99. Mm. I, okay. I, I even missed 94. Okay. <laughs> we'll okay. There. Okay. So Woodstock 79, uh, that was basically just a concert at Madison Square Garden. Um, right. So yeah. some of the musicians from 69 played uh, and basically it's, there was like a bunch of jam sessions and they released an album of the tracks i think oh um that sounds terrible yeah it kind of sounds like a nightmare (laughs) but you know you do you like the worst thing like band etiquette or breaking band etiquette 101 like the first the first thing you can do to break band etiquette is to show up on a stage at a show and be like let's just jam oh nobody wants to hear you no you're having the most fun in the room Mm -hmm. is the people on stage yeah everyone else Work that shit out at home. Yeah. Save it for the jam space. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's called that. Yeah. So uh, Woodstock 89 is also known as the Forgotten Woodstock. Okay. Uh, so it was kind of like haphazard. It was organized, I have in quotation marks, by a folk guitarist named Rich Pell. Uh, he showed up at the site of the original Woodstock, asked uh-huh. to put on a show, and the owners let him. Oh, was it still Max Yasger? He, wouldn't, he must have been uh, dead by that. I, it was still it was the same His farm. family. I don't know if it moved on or, yeah. Who knows? Because um, he's in the movie, like he got up on stage in 69 and he right. turned out to be a pretty swell guy. Yeah, yeah. Like he seemed, uh, yeah, he the whole 69 it. thing was like overall positive. There's a lot of like crappy aspects, but they, yeah, they but pulled it he, off. Yeah, they did. 
And so that's why they thought they could just throw together Altamont. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Free exactly. concert. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> Listen to that episode. Idiots. Yeah. It's in our it's in our back catalog. Listen to our archives. Um, yeah. So basically, uh, he showed up to the site. The owners let him put it on. Uh, people kind of filtered in over the course of the weekend. The, it was the same weekend as the original Woodstock. Oh, okay. And like eventually a stage and a sound system was set up by someone. Was it, it was, free? Uh, yeah, that's the impression that I got. Okay. Yeah. That was, it was basically just like thrown together last minute. No real organization to it. Right. Why? Why? put any effort in it yeah well <laughs> okay whatever that, whatever that relatively low mayhem so you know low-key <clears> low mayhem <throat> yeah Fair so right. then then's woodstock 94 then's then's, then's woodstock 94s <laughs> so uh woodstock 94 <laughs> i remember came that after that vividly yeah so i actually watched a bunch of it because this again it was completely off my radar yeah but then watching videos like it just there's gonna be a lot of reminiscing about music in this episode i think yeah um, i think it's going that way but like uh, that this is a time when Nine Inch Nails could like headline and blow up a concert like Woodstock, right? Yeah, and I don't know if it's just me, but it feels of, like that wouldn't happen anymore because Nine Inch Nails is. Uh no, well nah, yeah, no, <laughs> they definitely were like, not. Their style of music, it kind of like it it reached kind of a, a peak and it got relatively mainstream, but like I can't imagine hearing a band like Nine Inch Nails on like the radio now on whatever, like. No, that was, that's the 90s for you. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that, I think. But mm-hmm. um, it's it's always interesting to me, good or bad, when a band like that kind of slips through the cracks and yeah. and goes above, goes from the underground to the overground and yeah. kind of like, you know, worms its way in because that's yeah. pretty big exposure for them. And you like, you watch that performance and they're playing like, they obviously like the, the hits, but they're also playing like deep cuts. They open yeah. on a track that I'm like, nobody in the crowd has heard this song. Before. No, it's from their first album. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was, anyway, that's that was cool. Album. So anyway, Woodstock 94 was marketed as two more days of peace and music. Cause right, the original right, one was, right, right. you know, two days of peace and music or three days. Three. Yeah. Uh, so it was originally scheduled for August 13th and 14th, but they added Friday the 12th after that. Okay. Tickets, $135. Yeesh. Uh, I'm just mentioning those because that'll come up again. Uh, they sold, wow, okay, yeah, yeah. They sold 164,000 tickets. Holy. The crowd was estimated to be 550,000 people. Wow. So, hey, you didn't say how many people showed up to Woodstock, did you? It was like 400,000. Okay. The original. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the original. It was like 400,000. 400,000. Up again, from like, 50 projected and 200,000 <laughs> well, pre-sale. Well, they, they told the authorities 50. They told the authorities they 50. They sold 186,000. <laughs> they projected 200,000. And, and it was then f- double that. <laughs> in the end, it's like, hey, man, we can get through here. <laughs> yeah. Look, there's no fence. Yeah, basically. <laughs> cool, dude. Cool. Who paid for this? They're dumb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bet they're losing a lot of money on this. Yeah. Hope that doesn't come back to bite culture in the future. Nah. <laughs> it's all meaningless anyway. It, Pretty soon we won't have money, man. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. Let's right. Go. That would have been ideal. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, they had chain link fences, but they did nothing to deter, deter people from coming and going as they pleased. Like they, in, at 94, yeah. like they had these chain link fences, but basically they did nothing. So Just people came fence. and went. Yeah, basically, they literally hopped the fence. I, I don't know. I didn't see pictures of them, but I'm picturing something like chest height or it's just like, or even just like obvious gaps where you're like, eh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it basically didn't deter anybody, not to mention it made enforcing no food, drink or alcohol policy impossible. Right. Uh, because like you can't, they just had uncontrolled borders basically. Yeah. So all logistics fell apart. 
was a rainy, rainy weekend, turned the fields to mud. That seems to be a common theme. Yeah. Um, and the whole, like the festival wasn't without incident. We'll get to the, like the final, you know, how it ended up. Yeah. Not without incident. So for example, the Southern rock band. Jackal. They're stupid. Fair enough. <laughs> so they shot, well, they are because they shot a rifle into the air during their set. That's right. Oh yeah. They had like an infamous performance. <laughs> yeah. And they were like early on too. So maybe right. that's why we haven't heard of them and that's why I mispronounced their name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Aphex Twin was cut off mid set for signing a contract with a fake name. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> One of his many yeah. pseudonyms. Um, Blind Melons front man played their set tripping balls on LSD uh-huh. in his girlfriend's dress. Right. Um, Nine Inch Nails uh, played Covered in Mud yeah. in the densest crowd of the whole festival. And that's also super, like, they had the biggest, they pulled the biggest yeah, crowd. I know, it's so weird. Man, I miss 94. <laughs> so um, they thought their set was shit due to technical difficulties. They admitted that they were doing it for money to offset their tour costs. <laughs> and they won a Grammy for it. <laughs> they won a Grammy for yeah their... for like best live performance okay. for their Woodstock '94. I didn't know that. Was so a... they basically like they basically like totally fo- like fucked off that performance. You watch the video; it was amazing, and they won yeah. a Grammy for yeah, it. But yeah, they yeah. were like, yeah, whatever. We're this is stupid. Yeah, life is, <laughs> life is meaningless. Yeah. Uh, Green Day started a mud fight during which their bassist yeah. was torpedoed by security, knocking out one of his teeth. Whoa! Um, but their set propelled their third album, Dookie, to success. Right. Uh, and also interestingly, so the promoters wanted Nirvana, but I guess Kurt's health when they were sort of like negotiating the contract was already not great. All right. Uh, and then he committed suicide. He was dead by then. So a few months prior. That kind of made it impossible. Uh, yes. So anyway, but all of those things, like so far the festivals have been marked with like logistical missteps and like kind of an undercurrent of... I'll call it light mayhem, <laughs> but overall positive things come out of them, right? Like right, nothing infamous. Green or... Day is like blowing up their sales. The Nine Inch Nails get a Grammy for their performance. Yeah, yeah, things like yeah. Aphex Twin getting shut off mid set is like okay, that's kind oh, of a right. funny story. Yeah, yeah. Um, which brings us to Woodstock '99. Here we go. So, Michael Lang is back as promoter for Woodstock '99. Yeah. So he vowed to avoid the free for all that was Woodstock '94. So the haphazard chain link fences and importing of contraband into the festival, like how dare you bring food and water. But anyway, he wanted to shut that shit down. Mm. So this time the organizers were championing peace, love, and a 12 foot tall guarded fence made of steel and plywood. (laughs) (laughs) They're not going to let that happen again. Yeah. Uh, Interestingly, the organizers bragged that the site was quote unquote defensible. (laughs) <laughs> that's what you want in, peace uh, love and what uh, groovy <laughs> music festival we had fucking war <laughs> anyway so re- remember Woodstock 69 was devi- was designed uh, to be a profit making venture and it failed right so Michael Lang didn't want to make that mistake again still and bitter Wood- oh yeah yeah he's basically like he spent the last 30 years being like I missed my chance yeah right like I'm gonna get some money people. out of this Woodstock yeah. scheme at some point point. and that's why Woodstock 99 was highly commercialized from the very beginning so it had corporate sponsors there were like ATMs on the sites there were vendor malls and cyber cafes like okay. lots of places for people to put their money right uh, tickets were $150 okay. which when you look back over 94, even back to 69, not that much compared to what's 69, but it's brought up a lot as being like a fairly high ticket price. That's pretty high. Yeah. Like. But like, has it always been high? Like, would you say the 69 was, I guess 69 was high. I don't know what 18 bucks would have meant to someone in, I mean, that seems like it would have been a lot of money. Right. But I don't know if it would have been, well, I don't know. 
Or like, we get like a comic book for 15 cents. Yeah, back. right. So it's yeah. all relative. But even still, 150 bucks. I know it's you're getting a lot of bands for that, but. Well, let's say in Ottawa, we have Blues Fest, right? That's two weeks. Yeah. What's the past to Blues Fest? I don't know. Now now it's something like yeah. that or more probably. <laughs> right, it's, but it's that's like 150 bucks for two weeks of music. Yeah, So two this weeks. is 150 bucks for three days, basically. Right. So yeah, I, that's that that can be frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And uh, so ticket sales were capped at 250,000. Okay. People. People. So now maybe let's talk about um, ingredients of a disaster uh-huh. when it comes to a music festival. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Number one, the venue. Mm. So it was held in Rome, New York on the tarmac of Griffiths Air Force Base. Mm. Uh, That's defensible. Interesting mini sidebar. Mm -hmm. Um, I spent my entire life to this point thinking it was Griffiths, like Uh, T-H. Yeah. It's Griffiths. F-F-I-S-S. Griffiths. Griffiths. That seems like a typo. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I I checked it like four times. That's odd. Because my whole life, I'm like, I'm sure it's Griffiths. Griffiths. Nope. You're saying it wrong. Yep. So, uh, no trees, shrubs, or bushes, or really anything to provide shade. Okay. It's going to be important. <laughs> so instead, the festival goers were surrounded by black tarmac and concrete. Oh, God. Which is perfect for reflecting the sun's rays. Mm. Basically, they're, this festival, they decided to hold it on a frying pan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, I was trying to think of the yeah, comparison. Basically. That's it. Yeah. So yeah. the main stages were 2.5 kilometers or 1.5 miles apart. And so the wow. festivals, festival goers had to walk 20 minutes at best, this is my own math, but like they basically had to walk 20 minutes to get from one stage to the other <laughs> over a searing hot tarmac. And like some of these days, like the temperatures of the tarmac were around like 30 degrees Celsius or 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. So, and that's 20 minutes, like that's how long it takes me to walk like two kilometers unimpeded, not yeah, with a not giant crowd in the Through a mosh pit. Yeah, exactly. All right. So- Second ingredient, the <laughs> lack of water. So during the festival, Woodstock 99 temporarily became the third most populated city in New York state. <laughs> nice. It peaked around, remember they sold 250,000 tickets. Uh, attendance peaked around 400,000. So, so glad they have those 12 foot tall fences. Yeah. I really nailed it. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, there were some free fountains, but the lines were hours long. Good just Lord. to get a drink. Just to, yeah. And so some of these mountains, uh, some of these fountains got smashed in frustration, causing flooding. <laughs> which I know, right? Is that helpful? Yeah. <laughs> no one can have it. Yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> so I don't, I never, I don't oh, understand that. I mean, there's always one in any crowd. It's, and I mean, a crowd of 30. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> like, and now you're like upping the odds, right? Oh, I mean, there were at least a hundred thousand people yep. there who were going to smash that thing into smithereens. But, and like in, so, so far in our previous disasters, we've always, we always strive to like find the human component and look at the psychology of things. Oh, I, I have I'm no, at a loss here. Yeah. I, I, like, dude, you're bringing shit back for me <laughs> because I was acutely aware of yep. that weekend. Okay. And like the reports were coming back on a much music, yep. which is the Canadian MTV. Yep. And just from everywhere that like this thing had gone awry. And I just remember saying, I mean, I was going to say this yep. later, yep. but why, yeah, why sure. wait? Like, Bring it on. <laughs> talking to my friends about it. And we were just like, who, who's there doing this yeah. shit? And we we're like, these guys, they're not going back to some jail. Yeah. Or some weird <laughs> Mad Max situation yep. that they're going to go back and work at Starbucks yep. and give you your coffee or sit beside you in class. It's like, 
Yep. It's fucked. Yep. <laughs> and yep. And like stuff stuff like this happens. Like yeah. you smash a fountain that you waited like an hour to drink out of. Yeah. And it's like <sighs> I, I, I sat like when I when I when I like wrote that note, I like sat back in my chair and I tried to think about like the human angle to that. Yeah. I'm just like, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. There's nothing to be said. I, I mean it's <laughs> It's mob a, mentality, it's, I guess. It's a real but, Lord of the Flies kind of yeah. situation. And but not even yet. But not even we'll yet. That's the beginning. Yeah. But it's one that you paid for out of your own pocket. Yep. What did you expect? Exactly. I mean, not this. Cause <clears throat> this is clearly the Tip situation the was yeah. terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. But so go on. Anyway, so they smashed these fountains. But these fountains, like, remember, the festival, go- festival goers were barred from bringing their own food and water. So these fountains were their only choice. Unless, and this brings us to the next point, the prices. So uh-huh. a bottle of water was $4. A 10-inch personal pizza was $12. Burritos were $10. Hot dogs were $5. Basically, everything was like super overpriced. And like, this is where the prices started. As water right. became became more and more sparse, <laughs> like there's some reports of like a bottle of water going for like eight bucks. It's It's literally like. Yeah. It, it is a Mad Max situation. It is. Yeah. And it's like... You're like, what a $8. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, well, why not just head into town then? Like this, you know, you can go get some food there. Because you can't leave. Well, enjoy the approximately hour-long walk to the closest strip mall. Uh, <laughs> then enjoy the lineup and empty shelves. There were also, <laughs> there were also shuttles, okay. like buses, but like oh, yeah, hour-long waits right. and like... Just, it'll take you forever to go anywhere. It'll take you like walking to the B stage times three. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so with these prices, most festival goers blew their budget on Friday night, meaning that they would spend the rest of the weekend hungry, thirsty, and probably high. Oh, uh, yeah. So, so that's, that's another ingredient. You're... That's ingredient number three. <laughs> uh, ingredient number four, overcrowding. So the ticket sales were capped at 250000 All right. Um, an article in the Syracuse Post Standard claimed that at one point, quote, security guards were confiscating fake, fake passes at the rate of 50 an hour at just one of the gates. Wow. So people, people are getting in. Yeah. This is before we're talking, like, there's no, uh, barcodes being scanned and like, you know, smartphone tickets. They're like, just kind of eyeballing. Yeah. Like, what does the ticket look like? Oh, I'll just photocopy that. Yeah. And nobody's going to know. Laminate like, it. Oh yeah. You got a ticket. <laughs> um, some estimates have the final number of attendees closer to 400,000 um, and again good thing they have those 12 foot tall fences because they seem to make all the difference mm-hmm. <clears throat> another factor the quote unquote I've got it in quotation marks here uh-huh. sanitation uh, and yeah. I think uh, I think I got a little story here <laughs> so originally the organizers had planned to build shitters which is kind of the smart thing to do when you're expecting, I guess they were expecting a quarter million people sure. instead of being half a million. Uh, they just didn't. And they installed porta potties instead. Okay. Which is not great, but if you service them properly, then it'll work. You're good. You're good. We'll see if they did that. Mm. So the portable bathrooms were installed about 20 meters or 75 feet from the campgrounds. Uh-huh. But the quote, the peace wall, that 12 foot tall guarded fence was called the peace wall. The peace wall. <laughs> <laughs> right beside the peace cannon and the and this is like this is 20 years before trump so we don't even have like the fake news double speak yet yeah, but exactly. it's, it's get anyway peace wall peace wall um so it was in the way uh so that that, that those 20 meters became a 1.2 kilometer or three quarter mile walk okay a walk but shit doesn't walk it flows 
<laughs> so some people didn't bother walking the 1.2 kilometers and just relieve themselves among the tents, which nice of them. Rude. But that's amazingly not the worst of it. Hmm. So there were two shower stations installed with 50 shower heads each, one for men, one for women. And they were right next to the portable toilets, sort of at the top of a hill. Okay. <clears throat> so it went showers at the top of a hill. Uh-huh. Porta potties slightly further down the hill. Campgrounds. Wait. Right next to that. Are you sure you don't have that backwards? Yes. Are you sure? <laughs> yes. Yes. So the portable toilets were never emptied. Oh. And they quickly became, began overflowing. Oh. Um, but thankfully, the overflowing feces and urine was washed away by the water from the showers. <laughs> into, into the campsite. The campsite. <sighs> so why not just move your tent? Um, well, first of all, we're talking like Plague of Athens style ass to ankles. <laughs> yeah. And Plague of Athens, again, if you're a new listener, for very first episode very we first did. Talks inaugural about, uh, podcast. Yeah. Plague that hit Athens in 430 BC where everyone is crammed into the city walls and they could like barely move. That's what these tents are. Like the tents are centimeters or inches apart. All right. So good luck moving that. They're making a new plague. Some Essentially. E. coli, uh, yeah. dysentery. So at least though, you could escape to local motels. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> the Baseball Hall of Fame ceremony was being held in nearby Cooperstown the same weekend. Oh. Which means that like the hotels were booked, booked solid, solid months in advance. Right. And here, like, I don't, well, we'll, there's a little breakdown or like a debrief at the end. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, but I'm not sure how much evil you want to ascribe to the Woodstock promoter, promoters. <laughs> But it seems like this Baseball Hall of Fame ceremony is kind of a big deal. And I can't imagine they didn't know about it. Yeah. So like, well, e apparently even some of the performers couldn't get spaces in hotels because. <laughs> well, hey, they wanted like, to have it when they wanted to have it. Sure. So that's so, the end of that story. Yeah. Well, so as a recap, frying pan for a venue, <laughs> no water, yeah. insanely priced food and water, uh, people packed like sardines and marinated in excrement. <laughs> and this, this is where we're starting, basically. This is our uh, starting point. It's a wonder that it's not still a sort of closed society. Right. That people just cannot <laughs> people get didn't into. People leave. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's its own sort of Bioshock like situation. Lord of Woodstock. If you like that video game. But <laughs> on that's, a, it's a rapture. On a, on a throne of broken guitars. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. <laughs> Jackal's still there. They play every day. <laughs> they were no, 94. Oh, All right. <laughs> But they are still there somehow, amazingly. Somehow they got <laughs> roped in. Um, but at least the music was good, right? So anyway, <laughs> let's, let's do a sidebar about the lineup. Yes, please. So basically, I just went through the lineup. It was it long and storied lineup. So I kind of like yeah. went through, and maybe if you have some other notes, like feel free to jump in. But I just picked out some things that jumped out at me mm. uh, in no particular order. All right. We had The Roots. Yeah. That was kind of cool. I still like The Roots. Yeah. Uh, insane clown posse, <laughs> which so funny to picture them playing not yeah. at their own yeah. events. Like, yeah. Imagine, imagine could... how frustrated they must have been that they couldn't have covered the entire festival ground in soda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, you can't bring that in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go buy some at the the piece. Didn't they? Tent for $8 a bottle. Didn't they play like a local venue here a little while back? I seem to remember hearing a story about how it took them like two days to mop up the floor or something. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, that's a band. I try to be right. pretty open-minded. This is going to come up a few times. Uh, and I'm not sure where the best place to put this discussion is. Maybe it'll come up organically. Uh -huh. Like I try to be pretty open-minded about music and like, I'll try anything once. 
<laughs> I've listened to like maybe half an insane clown posse song. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Yeah. I don't. If you like Insane Cloud Posse, all, all the power to you. You found what you like. If you like them, then you're a juggalo. Is, you, that, a, is that a good thing? N- well, Yeah, no. if you like them. But okay. <laughs> it just enough. means you either are a juggalo or you don't like the Insane Cloud Okay, posse. so there's no in-between. I guess. There's, I no, ca- there's no casual Insane Clown Posse listeners? I, I can't imagine. Okay. It just seems like an all or nothing kind of thing. Fair enough. Well, they're gonna they're gonna come up again in the story. Oh, so, okay. Um, Jamiroquay, right? So I, I'm gonna I love Jamiroquay. Okay, and I'm gonna stand behind that. This is a good place to I don't bring it not up. like them because we've talked about this fine. before, and I'm sure I'm gonna quote unquote embarrass myself uh. and other people's standards. This we've talked about this before, and it's kind of a pet peeve that I guess is now is a good time to get off my chest. The idea of like guilty pleasures and being embarrassed by what you've listened to before. Right. Neither of us buy into that. No. Because it's like, uh, wh- why be embarrassed by it? If, if you like what you listen to now, then you got to where you are now and you're listening based on everything that's come before. Yeah, exactly. Right? You can like, maybe uh, maybe you don't, you've grown away from some of the stuff you used to listen to, but there's no point being embarrassed by it. And if you like something, why is there any guilt involved? Yeah. In it, right? Like even now, if you if you like something that's, questionable or whatever i mean show me the person who claims to have unassailably good taste and you know you're talking to a liar exactly like this doesn't happen so for sure like i the music i reach for now by default is basically like black metal or just like heavy angry music right i also love Katy perry yeah there's stuff that just finds you exactly i'm not there's no guilt there so anyway just cut it out with this guilty pleasure bullshit yeah enough (laughs) um leave us out of it other bands yeah. Live? Never really got into them. Oh, Not a fan. Okay. <laughs> uh, Cheryl Crow played. I right. did like her Bond theme for Tomorrow Never Dies. Okay. It's pretty solid. Uh, DMX, <laughs> constantly angry. All right. Man, I love DMX. <laughs> He's just so pissed off about everything. He's very rough. <laughs> yeah. What are his thoughts on the police? I'm unclear. Probably just a level-headed live take. Live and let live. Live and let live. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Offspring played. Oh they, Lord! They played. A, I know. I know. We've talked about this before too. They have a big place in my heart, right? Because they weirdly led me to Nirvana. I've told you this story before. Yes, but I like. I saw them. Uh, like I saw the video for Self Esteem on Much Music. Yeah, and I was like, Yeah, give me some of that. Yeah. So I went to a record shop here that used to be called Sam the Record Man. Yeah. Um. It was like I think it was Canadian. I don't think it was. Yeah. American. It was. But anyway. Yeah. So there was one at the local mall. I went there wanting to buy the album with self-esteem on it. And I bought Nirvana's live album (laughs) thinking that, I don't know. I don't know. too excited or something. Basically, like I just, in my mind, there was something weird equivalency where it's like, oh, it'll be on this. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But then I got home, put it on and he started playing. What's the first track on that? School? Yeah. uh, Yeah. 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 And I'm like, what? This This is much better than what I wanted. (laughs) Or not better, but it's like not what I expected. And it blew my mind. And I listened to it like, Sure. Yeah, I can. I like it. Anyway. And I listened to it like four times in a row and I was like, oh, I like Nirvana now. There you go. However, <laughs> but I also however like the you get there. Smash, Ixnay on the Ombre. Those are both albums that like they're in, they're carved on my heart. You're not a fan. It's all good. It's all good, man. <laughs> One of the worst bands ever. I <laughs> okay. But you know. Well, let's see about that because the next band I was going to say is Korn. <laughs> I think they're worse than corn. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, fighting words. You know. 
We're going to get into it before uh, yeah, we're, we're done We're going to get into it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> These mics are... So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so next up, Bush. Yeah. They, they also have a big part in my listening were history. Were they Bush then or were they Bush, Bush X? Was that just in Canada? Oh, yeah, it was just in Canada. Yeah. That was a Canadian another... Woodstock. Right. There was no such thing. No. Um, <laughs> Moby. He actually played the emerging artist stage. Because at that point in 99, 99, he wasn't really So he wasn't quite... Uh, yeah, he wasn't quite... That, yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of electronic artists actually on that emerging artist stage. Okay. Uh, Everclear. I remember... Ugh. No? No. <laughs> Keep going. Fair enough. <laughs> Chemical Brothers, they played on the emerging yeah, artist okay. stage. Cool. Uh, their, their album Surrender, which I think came around came out around this time, still one of my favorite albums of all time. Okay. So good. Tragically Hip played. I felt I had to include them because they're Canadian... That's a band. I that used I, to like them in high school. I could talk a blue streak about how they changed, and I didn't change with them. But that's boring. I mean, fair enough. I, I enjoyed them at, at one time, but yeah. that was, you know, fair enough. Many years ago, I basically nothing that tragically hit. Sure, and I, not from like so a malicious I. place. I just kind of I hear them, and I'm like, I don't really care what the poets are doing. <laughs> um, Kid oh. Rock played <laughs> uh, He'll Come Up Again yeah. uh, Dave Matthews Band played uh, He'll Come Up Again Worst Alanis Morissette So here's a fun I made myself a homework assignment Where I went on Spotify And I found a list of like Somebody had put together A playlist of like Every artist that played And their set list Yeah right right And I was listening to it <clears throat> Um so I'm a big Alanis Morissette fan now, <laughs> and it kind of caught me off caught me off guard. So you ought to know, fucking rocking song, love that song. <laughs> anyway, that came out of nowhere. I missed her my entire life until right. like three weeks ago. That's funny. Uh, Limp Biscuit, yes, they'll come up again. Yes, uh, another band that weirdly has a fond place in my heart. But we'll I'll talk a little bit more about that uh-huh. when it comes to the music recommendations at the end. Okay, Rage Against the Machine played. Right. Uh, Metallica played. Yeah. Serial Joe. Remember them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so weird that they were yeah. playing like, whoa, someone did them a big favor. Yeah. They must've been like 13 at this point. They were children. Yeah. They were like a Canadian children yeah. alt rock band. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fatboy Slim. He was also on the emerging artist stage. Okay. It's so like three of probably three of my favorite, at least at the time, Chemical Brothers still, but three of my favorite electronic artists. Right. I really, I really like Moby. Kind of, uh... Really like Fatboy Slim. Love Chemical Brothers. Yeah. Because Electronica was yeah. kind of doing the thing then. Oh, you yeah. remember that Much Music CD, uh, Are You Receiving? Yes. Fuck. I'm still waiting for volume two. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. I had that CD and I literally like listened to it Rick until it started putting skipping. it together. Nice. <laughs> so good. Um, Our Lady Peace played. Right. You That'll probably, come up in my uh, it will? Okay. music selection. So I enjoy Our Lady Peace a lot. You know, there's, uh, I mean, I did at the time... And I think they're terrible. Okay. <laughs> but they've got a lot of good songs. Fair enough. I still love Clumsy. Yeah. I listened to that song album again. Or the album. The album. There's I've... some good songs on there. Yeah. And he's got like an undeniably unique voice that works. For yeah. That. Well, it's... not live, but it works on the albums. Really? He's one of the worst live singers. Did you watch the Woodstock performance? I've seen a bit of that. It was solid, I thought. It's probably solid. Yeah. Anyway. I've seen some stuff that's like, yeah. wow, dude, you are terrible at your job. Sure. Maybe this was like peak Our Lady Peace. Maybe. That Maybe. was like around um, like One Man Army and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. This is a pretty solid album. Yeah. So Collective Soul played. <laughs> Can't do it. That's. You uh, know that homework assignment I was telling you about? 
I was like, okay, I have to listen to this entire playlist and I can't skip a single, and I was like, mid-sentence as Collective Soul came on. I got, I got halfway through one of their songs and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, Collective Soul. Is this song that goes, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so I heard bad. on the radio it a million times. I know, you know how it goes. Okay, to be honest, again, like I'm, I'm open-minded about music, so at, at worst, I nothing Collective Soul. You know what I mean? Okay. It's not like they turn my stomach or anything. It's just like, I, mm, eh, And they're just so washes unremarkable. Over me. Uh, f- to me. Yeah. If you love Collective Soul, you do you. Um, Godsmack played. <laughs> I, damn it. Because I was just going to tell you, <laughs> there was a stretch in high school <laughs> where I was hard into Godsmack. <laughs> See, we're, uh, I'm a little bit older than Peter, so yeah. like we had a different sort of paths and, yeah. you know, if I had been your age, I, I'm sure I would have been right there with you. Yeah. And I'm going to, like, I'm going to, again, when it comes to the music selections, I'm going I'm to talk about this a little bit more, but I can trace all of my current listening back through a lot of these bands. Right. And like Godsmack, it scratched an itch that I didn't know I had at the time. Uh-huh. And then it's like, I, I can see how it was a stepping stone and that's why I don't regret listening to them. And every now and then I'll like put a track on and be like, I, I remember why I like this. Right. But like, I've got, I've got versions of that kind of music that scratch that same itch better for me now. Yeah. It, it, you know it was mean. sort of a stepping stone. Yeah. Whereas uh, I was like, who are you trying to scare? Fair God enough. Smack. Right. It's not me. I feel like at this point you were probably deeper into your like musical journey. So like you hear a band like Godsmack and you're like, oh, they're trying to be like, what, Tad? <laughs> or, or Alice in Chains. Know, Alice in Chains. I don't know. I mean, yeah. like 99, I was what, like 23? Yeah. So yeah, I <laughs> it wasn't gonna, I wasn't buying it. Sure, sure, sure. But if I was in my mid to early to mid teens, I'm sure I would have been yeah. like, yay. Hard. So Megadeth played? Right. Red Hot Chili Peppers played. Yeah. They'll come back in a big way. Right. Also on the, on the emerging artist stage, possibly one of the only artists that actually emerged, uh, Muse. Oh, really? Yeah. They played Woodstock 99 as an emerging artist. That's funny. And now yeah, I saw that emerging artist stage. Yeah. I was like, none of these none guys of the- really emerged. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I've, I didn't see Muse. No. That's funny. No, that's... Pretty awesome. Well, we now, emerge, Muse. like one of their shows is like the size of Woodstock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so good for them. Mm. I saw them. I'm probably going to cut this out because now we're going too many like personal anecdotes. Yeah. But I saw them at Capitol Music Hall. Okay. Like. Hadn't quite emerged. On the verge of breaking out. On the verge I remember of never. That's the scared, I, the most scared I've ever been at a concert because like it was so packed and everyone was jumping up and down and oh, you could okay. feel the floor oh, bowing yeah. every time people would jump. <laughs> and it's like, this thing is going to fucking collapse right but they were incredible anyway um so now i've got uh, i've got things broken down into a few headings here mm. i'm going to start with the good okay so the emerging artist stage was packed from beginning to end okay and i'm not even being facetious it was it was jam-packed with people oh. not so much because of the music but because it was located inside a hangar uh, and it was basically one of the only places the with precious, only precious shade. Shade available. <laughs> I love all these bands. Yeah. Who are they? Yeah. <coughs> so also, like we just talked about this, but like three of the bands actually emerged. Like yeah. Muse, Fatboy Slim, and Moby, and Chemical Brothers. And Chemical Brothers. So um, it was basically more of a survival of the fittest stage. Because <laughs> like they, like, there were so many emerging artists playing. Right. And only like three or four of them actually emerged. Yeah. Can't all be winners. Um, But even this area wasn't without incident. There was one MTV report that during Fatboy Slim's set, um, his set was stopped momentarily 
uh, after someone accidentally started to drive a truck into the into the hangar. <laughs> so, on the grand scheme of things, this is not going to be the worst thing that happens at Woodstock. Um, this is more of a boner, but yeah, yeah, Jesus, it's kind of yeah. Do you yeah. see all those people in there? Yeah, yeah. Get out of the truck. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> um, so, next up, so that's the good. Oh, that's Basically, the good. That's the good. That was quick. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's telling. Yeah. Next up, the questionable. <laughs> so, remember how I mentioned Insane Clown Posse? Who could forget? Who could so, forget? they played the West Stage on Friday night, the July the 23rd. Uh, um, so, the San Francisco Examiner reported that Insane Clown Posse, and I know that there's an abbreviation, but I refuse to, like, I'm not, I don't know them well enough no? to call them. You're not a ninja? A what? I don't know. Is that a... That's what they say. Okay. <laughs> um, so they incited the crowd by throwing $100 bills into the audience and watching gleefully while a melee ensued. Really? Yeah. You don't wow. hear about that much. No. There's like, I there's the broad stroke that. stuff that everyone's heard about, sort of, maybe. <laughs> but I never heard about this, like them throwing $100 bills into the crowd. Wow. Um, things it's will like get worse. Dante's Inferno. Yeah. Like, greed. Essentially, <laughs> right? Like, perfect image. But yeah. Things will get worse, but yeah, this is a pretty good image uh, of um, where, like, this is a good starting point of things getting worse. Right. Because, like, that's that's kind of a that's fucked Friday. up thing to do. This is Friday. Okay. And this is, yeah. <laughs> so Kid Rock encouraged festival goers to throw empty water bottles at the stage, oh, uh, which, wow. again, is not great, but maybe it's a worthy protest of the bullshit prices. Yeah. yeah. Pretty benign. Still pretty benign. About it. Uh, the Tragically Hip, uh, they played right before Kid Rock, and they began to sing O Canada. Oh. Uh, and the crowd shouted the Star Spangled Banner back at them <laughs> while throwing rocks and bottles. No way. Yeah. So. Why would they sing O Canada? I don't know. They're, that is they're lame, like super man. In, yeah. I don't know. Fuck. Maybe they heard. God. Anyway. God, um, we're, we're so like, uh, I guess an inferiority comp. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Like it, maybe they're thinking Hendrix did Star Spangled Banner, so we'll do O Canada. Still. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they, they got rocks thrown at them while singing the U.S. National Anthem. Good. By the same crowd that would later cheer as Rage Against the Machine ended their set by lighting the American flag on fire. <laughs> so. Fair weather. Fi <laughs> figure yourselves out, crowd. <laughs> yeah. Fair weather protester. Uh, Wyclef Jean, he played after Kid Rock. Oh, God. Uh, so he was kind of a Woodstock 69 tryhard. So he spent most of his half hour long set doing like a terrible Jimi Hendrix impersonation. He Ew. just like did like the guitar behind the head, like noodling around for most of his set. <laughs> he tried he to light guitar? it on fire. He tried I, to light it. <laughs> I guess not, from what I've read. Right. Um, even though like Hendrix lighting his guitar on fire wasn't Woodstock. No, it was something. It else. was Monterey. Right. Pop festival. Check out the brain on music. Um, <laughs> motherfucker. And then he murdered a Hendrix-inspired rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, he like I, I'm sure. Did that like, get a rocking? <laughs> Rock they probably loved it. They probably loved but it. But that's like one of the few audio clips that I remember hearing is like someone, like someone just like doing an awful version of the, of the Star Spangled Banner. It turns out it was Wyclef Shaw. Jesus. <laughs> um, Creed, they played, <laughs> uh, playing, they played on the last night. Uh, they took this like tri 69 tryhard to the next level. They brought out the Doors guitarist, Robbie Krieger, to join them for an awful cover of Roadhouse Blues. Okay. Um... The Doors, who did not perform at Woodstock. That's 
That was my next point. <laughs> sorry. Right? No, 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 no. But they like they tried. They tried with, trying so hard to invoke Woodstock '69, where the doors didn't even. Sixties. Who's around in the the door? Yeah, let's bring them out. They probably played. Who's around? Don't check. Don't check the record. Um, so, so far though, uh, we've got some affronts to decency, but, <laughs> but nothing like terrible, right? No, nothing. You've got insane clown posse being jerks, but yeah. like not nothing like awful. No. <clears throat> but then comes the bad. Uh-huh. And just as a little foreshadowing, I have four categories of things. So we're <laughs> at, we were just, we started with the good, we had the questionable and now we're at the bad and it goes further than the sure, bad. Sure, sure, sure. So Saturday evening lineup. Um, there was a bunch of bands that played, but uh, I guess the last four that played were Alanis Morissette, mm-hmm. My Girl AM, yeah, uh, followed by Limp Biscuit, Rage Against the Machine, and Metallica. Brilliant. Great scheduling, <laughs> right? Um, not only them after her, but those three bands together yeah, in front right. of an angry crowd. <laughs> anyway, we'll get into that. Yes. So by this point, it was abundantly clear to everyone that this is not what they expected. Yeah. Expensive tickets, expensive food and water, constantly being sold and marketed to, constantly hot, hungry, thirsty, drunk and high. And like, I can't imagine anyone slept well in their shit soaked campgrounds. Can't imagine. So this is like pressure cooker (laughs) of like this. You can just push and push and push. Yeah. Yeah. And then something's going to, something's going to give. Yeah. Yeah. And then Limp Biscuit takes the stage. Yes. Um, and before we get into that, because <laughs> that's possibly what everyone's heard about, I thought it'd be interesting to do a sidebar on new metal. Um, because it's a genre that like I kind of, we kind of hinted at this already, but I grew up listening to Linkin Park was after this, yeah. but they play a big role in my life. Right. Maybe we'll talk about that too. We but anyway, should. Let's do a sidebar on new metal led by Lee. Hi. Hi. So, uh, introducing you as if you weren't here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, great to be here. Let's talk about new metal. Um, so yeah, this festival was kind of unofficially a new metal festival, even though there were like three bands <laughs> or right, something like, like that. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, new metal was really taking off at this point, right. I guess. I think probably 99 or 2000 would have been. Like the heyday? The heyday, but okay. probably 99. Sure. And that's like Limp Biscuit. That's when they were like Nookie and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. So, uh, so yeah, new Metal. Um, admittedly, I didn't do a lot of research. This, I'm just pulling this out of well, my what head. What the fuck are we talking about? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Because I got a lot to say. Oh, no, I figured. I figured. So I know a little bit too, so I'll fill in the gaps. Yeah, so Peter and I have <laughs> very different sort of takes on it. Yep. As I said, I'm a little older. Yep. Um... Uh, I was a big fan of metal, but uh, you know, when I was, f- I, even I came in on the tail end of sort of metal, like thrash and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, like 89, 90 sure. was when I really started getting into it. And yep. that's like a year off from Metallica's black album. So, gotcha. and then Nirvana came shortly thereafter. Right. So, um, before we talk, I mean, I was interested to talk about sort of like how new metal came about and just sort of what led to it. Yeah. Um, so we can talk about that. Like, yep. <clears throat> as I said. So maybe like, should we define what new metal is for people that don't know necessarily? Right. So. It's kind of hard to define, right? It's hard to define. <laughs> you, you, more, you mostly have to like listen to it, but it's, it's a kind of one of the many, many sub sub genres of metal. Right. That. It's sort of a mishmash of, there's a bit of hip hop in there. Yep. There's a bit of like 
groove sort of Pantera. Yeah. Um, a little bit of death metal. Right. And um, I always got like a funk vibe sometimes some funk, too. Especially yeah. if you listen to like early corn. Exactly. Or really any corn. Yeah, any corn. Yeah. And uh, fashion wise, it's there's a lot of Adidas. Yeah. Like we called it Adidas metal before it was really called new metal. It's like it was like head to toe Adidas. Right. Lots of dreadlocks. Right. Lots of piercings. I also just, heard it called rave punk. Rave like, punk. Like early okay. on, like the big pants and like the yeah. braided hair. That's very like rave culture. Rave culture. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I didn't like it. Fair enough. But uh, I would say the two biggest uh, influencers mm -hmm. of the genre, I would say number one would be Faith No More. Yep. Um, and particularly when vocalist Mike Patton joined the band. Yeah. So they kind of had this sort of rap metal hit with yep. the song Epic, but on their next album, Angel Dust, like <clears throat> Mike Patton sort of embodied this persona of a really weird, freaky, sort of a clowny <laughs> misunderstood. Right. Like it was very, uh, it would speak to a lot of sort of young white men. Okay. As far as like, I'm an outcast, you don't understand me, but I'm good with that. Right. Uh, and he made like, a lot of weird noises with his vocals, mm -hmm. which I think directly would influence like Jonathan Davis corn. Right. And, uh, they just played really strange music. So faith and more, and to a lesser extent, Mr. Bungle, which was another band that Mike Patton was in, which yeah. they like wore masks and stuff. So for bands like Slipknot yeah. and Mudvayne, right. Yeah, <laughs> I know yeah. all the new metal, man. <laughs> like it's like, you know, they, for someone who seems not to like new metal, you sure know a lot about new metal. It's the thing where you are, <laughs> you're fascinated, by, fascinated by the thing you despise. <laughs> and I won't lie. I know, I'm not sure, sure. going to do that thing where I think they're called, I know exactly. Yeah. What yeah. Yeah. Fair <laughs> so, enough. Yeah. So that's directly correlates to Mr. Bungle. So them, yeah. and then the other band would be who did the rap rock thing. Mm -hmm. Who is it? Who's that? Was that Limp Bizkit? No, like oh. who's the, the influencer? Oh, the influencer. There's Faith No More, yeah. and there's oh, uh, I don't know, Rage Against the Machine. Oh, really? I would say okay, fair like, enough. Just yeah. those like staccato riffs they yeah. would play, like -na 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 -na, like sort of a rap yeah, rock yeah. hybrid. I would think so. Yeah, fair. Okay, I could see. I could see where that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm just pulling this out of my head. Like, that's kind of my theory. Fair enough. Okay. But there's a ton of different bands, but because I think like the first <laughs> maybe like. Maybe you'll get to this. Maybe this is where you're, I'll let you finish. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to name some more bands. Fair enough. But, but sure. So metal in the eighties, it's huge. Yep. It's like one of the biggest things going like the, the, the weird underground headbangers like it, but even the, you know, the popular kids yep. like it, like, you know, the lighter stuff like Bon Jovi and, right. and whatever, like yep. everyone's into it. Yeah. <clears throat> it hits sort of a peak at the end of the eighties, beginning of the nineties. Yep. And I think. So sure, Nirvana and that whole movement came along and sort of took up the reins. Yep. But I think even before that, like Metallica releasing the Black Album and like really toning down their sound right, right. to be appealing to everyone, that had a huge influence on like Anthrax and Megadeth mm -hmm. and sort of the vanguard were trying right. to follow suit. So you yeah. know, on these like question, like just bad albums sure, coming sure. out. So it's sort yeah. of like, it got sort of, homogenized yeah. and then the alt rock stuff came yeah and that was like it didn't disappear right away yeah like people said like metal was done like there it was just sort of like this different there was sort of this alt metal that yeah. came okay so you got like tool helmet right prong 
uh, Primus a little bit, mm-hmm. Chili Peppers. They weren't metal, but sure, they were yeah. kind of like yeah. uh, Fear Factory, Ministry, and even like some of the grunge stuff like Soundgarden right. and definitely Alice in Chains. Yep. All metal bands, which yep. is kind of a different thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it was more like when the Britpop thing was happening, like okay. 94, 95, when like metal was just like, that's done and right. only the lamest losers were into it and it's literally <laughs> how it was like okay. just it was so uncool right um but there were a few bands that sort of thrived despite that i mean obviously metallica yeah yeah but also pantera mm-hmm. uh sepultura yeah danzig mm-hmm. uh white zombie and then marilyn manson sort right. of came and that yep. was a whole thing yeah um and these bands i find were sort of being influenced by the alt metal thing. Yep. So you had Sepultura albums that kind of sounded like Helmet yep. a little bit and Tool. I think that really set the the groundwork for new metal. So okay. you had this thing happening, you had this vacuum, and then in came these new bands who mm-hmm. were influenced by everything I basically just mentioned, yep. along with death metal, Right. Which was yeah, kind of like, like the vocals huge. Mostly, right? yeah, yeah, the vocal and like tuning really low on the guitars. Yeah, I remember hearing somewhere <clears throat> that like this like new metal would kind of introduce down tuning into a lot of like mainstream music. Yeah, for sure. Right. Like it was like, wow, they tune so low. I was right. like, where would they have gotten that? I can only think of death metal being yeah. like the source for that. Yeah. So the um and then I was thinking like who else was huge in metal during this whole time like mm-hmm. who was not affected by alt rock right. fucking ozzy right and what did ozzy have ozfest oh, okay so ozfest was like yeah. the new metal harbinger which is this okay. like touring festival yeah. where it was like all new metal bands oh really so okay. that's yeah. i think what sort of brought it into the overground okay overground the mainstream yeah yeah right uh, so that's new metal, I guess. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So I guess like if you had to name some of like the epicenter bands, like the, the band that comes up, that came up in my like cursory research was basically Korn. Korn, I guess Feels like a be... lot of things, like the Nexus kind of ended up pointing at Korn, right? Yeah. And it seems like that was the touching off point for a lot of things that came They've after. got to be one of the first, yeah. if not the first. Right. But I think a Korn, Limp Bizkit, yeah. uh, Cold Chamber. Yeah. Yeah, um, I and you always hear Deftones mentioned with Never these bands, that. which yeah. I thought they were so much better. Yeah, they definitely had tendencies, especially fashion-wise. Like they fit right in, but yeah. at, at the same time, their music—I think they're a great band. There's a, yeah, exactly. There's, there's a couple <clears throat> of bands that uh, I actually came across. Uh, I think I was watching a like a quick documentary on this. Maybe we'll link it on our social medias. Yeah. Um, they, he kind of referred to a few bands and I totally agreed as sort of new metal adjacent right. and Deftones was one of them. Uh, another one that he mentioned that I think I kind of agree with is Linkin Park. They usually get linked, they get lumped in with a lot of like, people always be like, you know, Corn, Limp Bizkit, Linkin Park. Yeah. They came a but if you little listen to later. It, yeah. Like they were much more, they're much more electronic. Uh, they lean a bit more heavily on, um, like the sampling and the, the DJ stuff. Yeah. Um and when you when you put a band like Linkin Park next to something like Limp Bizkit, you could see that at least in my mind it's not coming from like the same source even, no, necessarily. No. No, Linkin Park so, I I don't like them. Uh, yeah. I don't really dislike them like they don't like Limp Bizkit bugged the shit out of me like right. when they were popular like yeah. I 
every day I was annoyed. Yep. Because it was just in your face. Oh, for sure. Lincoln Park, they're just obviously better. Yeah. Like Lincoln Limp Biscuit just seems so amateurish. Well, for, among many other things. That's but. that. That's why I, I keep teasing this, but in my musical selections. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I always I always look back on Limp Biscuit as kind of like my almost my musical training wheels. Yeah. Because I can tell you that after the age of maybe like 15, 16, I've never like listened to a Lincoln or to a Limp Biscuit album. Right. But I still like the first three Link Lincoln Park albums are on like more or less constant rotation. For yeah. Me. Like they're still like the anyway. Okay, cool. So Another that, one I thought was yeah. kind of adjacent, but a little better was System of a Down. Yeah. Who totally. I thought kind of got worse, but yeah. I think their first two albums are pretty solid. Yeah. And they were, I, I was kind of loath to check them out. I was like, <laughs> they're new metal. I, I can't, I can't. Yeah. But, but I was like listening to albums like, it's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> but that, that's such an illustration of like, who cares what you like? Right? Oh, I just know. because it's called new metal. Like if Back someone, then it was, I was a more uptight. So. Oh, for sure. No, no. I remember my high school self <laughs> yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. just like, yeah, I, I would pick my, pick my friends and girlfriends based on what music they liked. <laughs> right. Where it's like, oh, you don't, you don't like, you don't like the music I listen to. All I can't right. talk to you right well, now. Bye-bye. Yeah, basically. So that's new metal. That's new metal. All right. Well, <laughs> speaking of new metal, All right. coming back to the bad, <laughs> Limp Biscuit takes the stage. Yeah. If you remember, we've got the angry, hungry crowd that's broke now, um, high and drunk, uh, and sleeping for multiple nights in a feces-soaked campground. Uh-huh. Limp Biscuit takes the stage. So, uh, <clears throat> if you haven't already, take a moment to watch some of their set. You can find it on YouTube. We'll wait. You can pause right now. Yep. We'll be here. Welcome back. <laughs> so, Limp Biscuit playing Woodstock 99, in my opinion, is maximum 90s. If you watch their set... <laughs> And you're wondering what like the the peak or the end of the '90s looked like. It's Limp Bizkit playing yeah, Woodstock. 99. Maximum late '90s. Maximum late '90s. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's other moments during Woodstock that were like. Actually, I'll talk about it now. There's a lot of good stuff at Woodstock '99. Like for me, depending again, maybe this was age or whatever. I felt like painfully nostalgic and warm and fuzzy watching the Bush set. Okay. Because like the way he was dressed, the way he was acting on stage, the songs he was playing, that was like <laughs> that. That was the '90s for me. Right. 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 Like. Um, but this Limp Bizkit set in particular was a turning point. And I think a lot of people have kind of talked about it as a turning point. So the attitude of the crowd during their whole set was generally negative and <laughs> kind of turning aggressive. Um, not negative towards the band per se, but angry at the entire bullshit situation. All right. People tore plywood off the sound towers and started crowd surfing on them. Uh, and the theme of destruction would continue throughout the rest of the festival. <clears throat> so during their set, uh, I've got a quote from Fred Durst, lead singer of Limp Bizkit. <laughs> yes. People are getting hurt. Don't let anybody get hurt. But I don't think you should mellow out. That's what Alanis Morissette had you motherfuckers do. <laughs> if someone falls, pick them up. We already let the negative energy out. Now we want to let out the positive energy. Then they play break stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so MTV's Kurt Loder yeah. also has a quote here. Uh, there were just waves of hatred bouncing around the place. It was clear we had to get out of there. Nice. So like the crowd is getting angry right. and violent and tearing the place apart. Yeah. Uh, afterwards, in an interview, and I think we both watched this interview and I sent you that documentary. We'll probably yeah. link to it. Yeah. Uh, afterwards, in an interview, Fred Durst said, I didn't see anybody getting hurt. You don't see that. When you're looking out on a sea of people and the stage is 20 feet in the air and you're performing and you're feeling your music, how do they expect us to see anything bad going on? I mean, how? And 
like if this if we we're filming a documentary right now this is when we would cut back to a clip of durst saying people are getting hurt <laughs> during the set right yeah um and also funny in that documentary like right after they show um Fred Durst saying that it yeah. cuts to uh, Jonathan Davies saying, uh, "Yeah, Limp Biscuit fucked everything up." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but corn doesn't get away clean either, uh-huh. uh, and neither does Limp Biscuit. But we'll we'll loop back around. So now we're going to talk about the ugly. All right. So we finished <laughs> with the bad. Now we're going to the ugly. Corn seems appropriate. Man. <laughs> but yeah. I always thought that like the theme for the destruction was Limp Biscuit, like. Talk, I mean, limp is yeah. the appropriate word. Like, talk about lame. Like, it's yeah. not a. It's it's barely aggressive music, right? It's weak shit with this right. vocalist who's like, yeah. he's such a but it's fucking. Got, loser. It's got some aggression in there, and honestly, like, oh sure, I still I listen back to some of those tracks and break stuff. Like, it can it still gets my engine going to a certain extent, <laughs> and not as much as some other stuff that came later. But right. like, I don't know, especially if like when it at the peak of new metal where it's being played to a crowd of people that kind of fell through the cracks, musically speaking, uh-huh. people that didn't really care about grunge. They weren't into metal. Yeah. Like they weren't into hard rock necessarily. And they were like, Oh, well I kind of like, I kind of like hip hop and I like some, some of this other stuff. Yeah. That's what it was. So it like was... It, they like zeroed in on this group of people that didn't really have a music to listen to. And mm-hmm. they were like, Oh shit, this is what I like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so like, this is, angry aggressive music to them and it like sets them off especially when you've got these other ingredients for oh yeah explosion never yeah never mind the situation <clears throat> yeah but okay. so the ugly the ugly <laughs> so beneath the surface of rage was an undercurrent of sex and objectification of women yeah so every female either festival goer or performer was greeted by the crowd shouting show us your tits right great great during this during his set dave matthews Ever the lyricist mm. said, "Today there's an abundance of titties." Did he? Which uh, I, I couldn't remember why I never got into Dave Matthews Band, but uh, that uh, that helped. That yeah, I mean, I can't think of a vocalist I hate more. Yeah. Before you said that, right? I just I just hate when I hear his voice. Yeah. I I want to I see red. Yeah, I we we. Uh, so that's perfect. I may, thought you were gonna say something good, like he tried. No, no, nope, no, nope. just a general creep sometimes again i'm not a big dave matthews fan sometimes you hope that they break like the stereotype you have of them but then yeah. it's like oh yeah that's kind of what i expected oh, yeah, to say, yeah. unfortunately i'm not surprised um <clears throat> and the official woodstock website even jumped on the bad wagon posting pictures of topless festival goers. wow so like you've got this <laughs> undercurrent of like kind of ski like sleazy yeah like this is getting kind of gross yeah <clears throat> also as things got worse security be- began to ghost into the crowd so you had 500 New York state troopers plus the local police department uh, as the core of the security. Okay. So basically, let's say that's 600 official security for around 400,000 festival goers. Yeah, it's enough. That's one trooper per 666 festival goers, by the way. <laughs> Just do your job, pretty, trooper. Pretty metal. Yep. Pretty metal. 666. Yeah, it's probably a bit less actually. I, I looked it up, and today Bethel PD has just over fifty officers. So let's say there was five hundred and fifty <clears throat> officers for half a million festival goers. Great. I don't see what. So they were supported is. by a volunteer security force, <clears throat> and once things started to get ugly, the volunteer security just basically started walking into the crowd, just like disappearing, <laughs> like basically doing one of those like if they were wearing volunteer shirts, they would just like pull them, them off, off <laughs> and drop them and just go into the crowd. 
I mean, I'd do that too, but I would leave. Right. Yeah. 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 You, you guys are on your own. Yeah, yeah. This is not what I signed up to do for this free. This is not what I volunteered <laughs> yeah. for. Where's the peace and the love? Exactly. So the angst, intoxication, and general sense of lawlessness um, was kind of pervasive at this point. And add to that all this macho, show me your tits bullshit. Right. And then Ugh. unfortunately came the sexual assaults. Of course. So according to a volunteer witness and a rape counselor at the festival, at least two women were raped in the crowd during Woodstock 99. <sighs> and it's like not a lot to joke around about here. So the first reported rape occurred during corn set. Okay. Um, and the legs on Jonathan Davies horse just got a little bit shorter. Remember how he was saying how Fred Durst ruined yeah, right, everything? Right, like, right, right, right. Um, like if you want to, cause he was kind of laying the blame for the destruction and going, uh, like on the riding at the feet of Limp Bizkit and their song break stuff. Yeah. Um, and if he's going to start throwing fling, uh, flinging mud at songs, mm -hmm. maybe you should remember that he has a song called Adidas. Yeah. Which is all day I dream about sex. Yeah. And if you want to look up those lyrics, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. How are I, they innocent? Exactly. In like don't like, and I'm, and I'm not. Don't, like, don't zero in on break stuff, a video which you appear in, by the way, by Jonathan the way. Davis. Also like, and, and to be clear, like I'm not blaming music at all for the actions of the crowd. No. Like we've, that debate died with like the nineties, like Marilyn Manson didn't cause you know whatever. yeah and slayer didn't i mean i've been yeah. hearing that since i've been in the yeah. high school yeah but you know. like if you're gonna if you're gonna like if you're gonna call the kettle black make sure you look right. in the mirror first to make sure <laughs> that you are also you are not the pot not the pot <laughs> so anyway <clears throat> did that metaphor work? yeah We'll say we pulled it off. Classic. So uh, Schneider, he was a re re rehabilitation counselor working as a volunteer at the Woodstock uh -huh. Festival. Uh, I've got some quotes for him, from him, and these are rough. Um, maybe, maybe a trigger warning is appropriate. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so at one point, I saw this girl, a very petite girl, maybe 100 pounds, who was body surfing above the crowd and either fell in or was pulled into a circle in the mosh pit. He calls them, this is his words, these gentlemen probably mm. in the 25 to 32 age range, looked as though they were holding her down. They were holding her arms. You could see she was struggling. You clearly could see that one of the guys was pulling her pants down. You could see he was violating her. Oh, God. That's during corn. So, like, this is a <clears throat> messed up situation. Jesus Christ. Um, and apparently this same petite girl was then passed around and gang raped. Oh, come on. Right? <laughs> if you were wondering why Woodstock 99 was a disaster and it wasn't clear by this point, like this is not the kind of stuff that you want to have. That, that blanks everything you've said so yeah. far. Um, <clears throat> so the second reported rape occurred during the Limp Biscuit set. A uh, 24 year old woman was pulled into the crowd while crowd surfing. Um, similar thing happened. Uh, and basically things really started to crumble during the Limp Biscuit set. At one point, an MC started pleading with the crowd, um, and I've got his quotes here. Please, there are people hurt out there. They are your brothers and sisters. They are under the towers. Please help the medical team get them out of here. We can't continue the show until we get these dear people out of here. We have a really serious situation out there. Yeah, good luck. Right. Reason with the gang rapers. Yeah. So add in the destruction during their set that we talked about earlier, and you're getting the picture. Angry music, angry people, destruction, rape, and just bedlam. All right. Like, this is not the peace, love no. festival that they set out to put no. on. No, no. So, the death of the 90s. <laughs> so, this is this was the second night, by the way. That's night so two of three. Now, here's night three. Yeah. So, day of music. The Red Hot Chili Peppers take the stage as the last slot on the last night. Okay. So, prior to the Red Hot Chili Peppers set, a peace-promoting group called PAX distributed candles intended to be lit as a demonstration during their set. <laughs> So Oops. from the PAX website, 
Uh, PAX means peace. PAX brings together people who have the courage to stand for peace together with the people in conflict areas uh, and concerned citizens worldwide. PAX works to build just and peaceful societies across the globe, which is a noble goal. Yep. Um, but maybe read the room? Yeah. Or do you rather, have any water? Do you have any water? No. No, we got these. <laughs> We've got fire though. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, read the room or read the hot, hungry, thirsty, angry, burnt out crowd that's been sardined together for the last three yeah. days. <laughs> that would be like you going guys up for a peace presentation, a prison yard, yeah. and trying to get everyone to hold hands and <laughs> yeah. sing "Kumbaya." Uh, Are you dumb? Or maybe he's going to a prison yard and handing out shivs. Yeah, almost. Too. <laughs> like <laughs> here, use yeah. this as you see fit. So most of the Red Hot Chili Peppers set goes fine. I, I have a note here: calibrate, quote unquote, fine, based on how much you like the Red Hot Chili well, Peppers. But well, yeah. it's it's a good Red Hot Chili Pepper set. Let's put it that way. Relatively, yeah, yeah, event free. If you like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Great set to watch. It's on YouTube. I like them in the 80s. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I like their 80s stuff. I didn't like them in the 80s. Right. I yeah. was too young. Yeah. Like so <laughs> during their second last song, Under the Bridge, um, <laughs> do you like that song? Or? Okay. <laughs> during their second last song, Under the Bridge, the candles began to get lit. But instead of waving them in the air in a sea of lights, as intended by Pax, <laughs> the crowd held them under anything flammable they could find until several fires were lit throughout the festival grounds. <laughs> and the crowd kept stoking the flames, throwing anything flammable they could find on them. Wooden slats from the vendor's mall and plywood from the peace wall. <laughs> Which tells you what they thought about the peace uh -huh. wall. The people have spoken. Yeah. So the announcement about it doesn't sound as dire as maybe it could have been. Like uh, uh, I've, maybe we'll post the YouTube link to that too. Uh -huh. But like an like one of the I think one of the co-organizers comes on and he's like, "Okay guys, there's a really serious problem back there. So if we could just like cool it <laughs> and let the fire people do their like nobody's taking this no. that announcement seriously, right? Like, well, you don't shout fire. Fair I mean, enough. That's a classic. Sure, uh, but there's a middle ground. There's and a he yeah, went he for also like, don't wake up from a nap and go, <laughs> yeah. uh, not cool. Yeah, basically. He's <laughs> not like you're not you're not explaining that it's snack time to kindergarten class, <laughs> yeah. right? Line so up, everyone. At one point, uh, Anthony Kiedis comments on the beauty of the fires, which probably also didn't help to lend uh, a sense of urgency. Classic. Uh and the cherry on top, as the crowds were piling more and more fuel on the fire. Red Hot Chili Peppers come back for their final song, a cover of Jimi Hendrix's Fire, <laughs> which is perfect. You know, you can't let an opportunity like that go to waste. <sighs> like, I think they had planned to play that already. Yeah. But. But they didn't shy away from read it. <laughs> the, read the hungry, angry, like, crowd. Prison yard. That's lighting your festival on fire. Yeah. Play a different song. Don't. Encourage play them. the Star Spangled Banner again. Do anything. <laughs> play O Canada. Again. <laughs> that will that will help. So uh, the aftermath. Uh -huh. I'm going to start off with uh, two quotes here. First from Michael Lang. Um, I think the aftermath of '99, the imagery of kids sort of dancing around the fire, was more dramatic than the actual event. Okay, don't know what that means, but uh, the problem with '99 sort of erupted after the last act went off stage, and it was really a couple of hundred kids who were running rampant. I think it has its ramifications, but I don't think it did any real damage in that sense. Depends who you ask, I guess. Yeah. I mean, 
uh, if you ask any observer, mm-hmm. then Woodstock 99 was an anger fest that culminated in them lighting your festival on fire. Yeah. But you know, yeah. maybe yeah. that's, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's I wasn't there. what you wanted. I wasn't there. Yeah. John Shear, who was a co-promoter. Right. Um, got some quotes from him. <laughs> I'm bummed big time. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, join the legions. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we'll ever know why these kids did this. Hmm. <clears throat> They just must hate capitalism. Yeah, I I bet. I really don't think there was a kid out there that wanted there to be mass destruction. I would not condemn this crowd. I don't think it was an anti-Woodstock statement. I think it was an anti-establishment statement, (laughs) which is fucking hilarious. (laughs) You. Yeah. Like, way to take it on the chin, guys. Way to, like, completely dodge any blame. Yeah. You You know why the kids were angry? Like maybe it's the fact that you erected a 12 foot wall and banned them from bringing water into yeah. a venue and then sold them water for like four times what it cost. <laughs> no, it's uh, the man. It's the man. <laughs> oh, wait. Um, who's the man in this point? Is the person who solicited the corporate sponsorships and set up a vendor mall and ATMs and internet cafes and just marketed at your crowd for three days? Could it be you? That's no? just a peace and love festival. It's just like That's your opinion, man. Unrelated. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's like, spoiler guys, you are the establishment. Yeah. So if it was a, it's not an anti, if not anti-Woodstock, anti-establishment, it's empty you guys. Yeah. You are the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, there's a lot of philosophizing about the root causes. Um, social factors played a role, but it was ultimately like the proximate causes. Like greed and capitalism manifest as ridiculous food and beverage prices, skimping on necessities and all that bullshit that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like blaming angry kids, like youth have always been angry. A yeah. situation like Woodstock 99 is just a powder keg. And unfortunately they were like handed the spark essentially. I think so. Like you had yeah. a bunch of angry youth. You had a bunch of youth that were going to be angry and angsty anyway in one place. And then you f- like didn't give them any water or food. Oh, they just. And then you threw angry bands at them. Yeah. They just pushed and pushed. <laughs> I yeah. think the same thing would have happened in 69 if they had, had the same. Sure. Set up with peace walls and yeah. no water. I mean, what do you expect? Yeah. So, uh, actually, interestingly, there's not, not a ton of detail about the cleanup efforts. Um, okay. I guess it happened cause it's an airport now. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, just, <laughs> just think back to the, um, shit tsunami in the campsite and yeah. imagine how long it would take to clean something like that up. Um, not to mention like the garbage that I'm sure was littering the entire campsite. Months, I reckon. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So, uh, got an epilogue. Okay. About Woodstock 50. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the next. So this was the 40th anniversary. And right. now we're coming up on the 50th anniversary. That's right. <clears throat> so thankfully, Michael Lang learned his lesson and decided oh. no, he he learned his lesson and he decided to hang up his Woodstock spurs. That's good. It he's got to be 80, so <laughs> not at all though, cuz he in January 2019 announced the 50th anniversary Woodstock being organized by him. Oh, get the fuck out. I thought he meant he like passed it on to someone. Well, no, I was, that was a psych out because he's still involved <sighs> and it's set. Which band should we get? <laughs> <laughs> he's not that, I don't think he's that old. He's got to be pretty old. No, I saw a picture of no, him. He's okay. not like ancient. Anyway. He's like 70. So. so it's scheduled for <laughs> August 16th to 18th, 2019. Okay. Uh, here's a list of things that have happened since its announcement. Hmm. It lost it fi- lost its financial backers. Uh, they missed the announced April 2019th release date for the ticket sales. So they still haven't been released as of recording this podcast. (laughs) The actual lineup is in question because the artists all signed contracts with the original financial backers and many received the payment up front. 
Since the backers aren't involved anymore, it's not clear if the artists are under any legal obligation to actually play the festival because the backers pulled out and the contract was with them. So they got a new financial backer. Mm-hmm. After that, they lost the original venue, which was Watkins Glen okay. in New York, okay. near the original site. Um, apparently because they missed a $150,000 payment, yep. which was clearly a mistake because the budget that we're talking about is like 30 million. Right. So 150,000 is like peanuts on that scale. Yeah, so yeah. they just missed a deadline. Whoopsies. Um, they lost to this new financial backer uh, and they're currently looking for a new venue. <laughs> um, if you're listening... Um, maybe we'll have an update on social media because we're recording this a little bit ahead of time. <laughs> but basically at this point, tickets aren't on sale and they don't have a venue. So we'll see how that goes. If you're listening goes. and you have a venue, yeah. just please reach out to them. <laughs> <laughs> Is Joe Cocker available? <laughs> uh, he, he's he's dead, Michael. He passed. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. No, we got to look it up. Like he's, he's not like a hundred. Anyway. I know. Um, so I don't want to be a naysayer, <laughs> but things are smelling more and more like the Altamont Free concert. <laughs> so again, go back and listen to that episode yeah. and you'll probably have like a good picture of if Woodstock 50 goes forward, you've got a pretty good idea of what it's going to look like. Yeah. But Altamont's a perfect example of like, you don't necessarily need aggressive angsty music if you are, right. as long as you're just pushing people yeah. too far in, in a situation where it's yeah can go bad it'll go bad yeah but it certainly didn't help to have no. that kind of music and what always what baffles me is that like we've talked about a bunch of festivals now um like 69 and 94 and woodstock 99 and altamont yeah, yeah. where like why do they always underestimate the, the infrastructure turnout. No, no, no. Well, the turnout, first of all, but the, oh, the infrastructure. infrastructure. Sure. Oh yeah. They're always like, uh. We can get away with this. Don't, don't people poop? Eh, it's uh, fine. You know, we'll just get 20 porta really. <laughs> Like how many people are coming? Doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah. They'll hold it for three days. Overdo it. Yeah. Yeah. Like always like pick a number for security and then triple it. Yeah. I don't know why. If you're why. trying to save a few bucks, you'll probably save it in the end when you don't have to clean up the remnants of well, a sure. full scale riot. Like maybe you'll save some money on security. <clears throat> Um, by not doing this, but by not getting enough security, you'll end up being known as Woodstock 99, yeah, exactly. which essentially killed the nineties, <laughs> yeah. right? Like that's Don't the end of an era. inch. Yeah. Mm. So that's Woodstock 99. Um, and that was a fucking disaster. That was a hell of a fucking disaster. Yeah. So, uh, I've got some music recommendations. I went a little bit different, I think, as you know, with mine, I'm not sure if you took up my challenge or not. Yeah, I did. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I so did what you, you can, recommended. Okay, well, you can, or maybe I'll explain you what go I recommended. First. I'll go first. Okay. Yeah. Wow, this is a little bit of a change. Because, <laughs> you, yeah, you sort of flipped it. Yeah, I yeah. flipped it a little bit. So, basically, what I suggested to Lee this time, normally we recommend new music um, based on the disasters. Or any music. But or any just music, really. Whatever yeah. it brings to mind. Yeah. But so since we're in doing this a case, festival. yeah, we're a festival, already a ton of bands that both of us are familiar with. I suggested that we do kind of like a point A, point B thing where uh-huh. we pick a song, song by a band that played at the festival that we were into at the time and then try to draw a line between it and then a more recent track in our listening. Like, so we can kind of draw that line through our musical evolution. Yes. So my point A and I got to tell you, after doing this research, uh, they've lost a lot of stock in my mind. But oh. my point A is Limp Bizkit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, formed in Jacksonville, Florida in 1994. Uh-huh. Uh, the album is Significant Other, released in 1999. Yeah. And the song is Break Stuff. Yeah. 
And it came up because at the time, like it was, it was my like angry song. How old were you? 99. This math should be, well, 20 years ago at this point, right? Yeah. 16. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all you need to know. I was the target audience. You were, yeah. 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 Like 16, really no reason to be angry, but I was angry. Oh, Um, sure. That's, but that's again, the way it goes. Target, target audience for boom, their music. Yeah. Um, so like it was like it's you know how you have those music that like can just get you going and just sure. use the music that you listen as like a release valve for being angry. Yes. So that's that's my point A. Okay. My peak anger song and my peak like get her done song. <laughs> um and I'm not sure <laughs> so Olympus gets kind of a big deal still, and I'm not sure if we're gonna play a clip. Just go on Spotify and listen to break stuff because I don't want to get sued yeah, into oblivion. That's, that's on you. <laughs> I don't know what they have to lose. <laughs> Point B, uh, one of my current favorite bands, uh, the band is Ken Mode. Oh, yeah. Um, they're from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. That's I bet right. if they played O Canada at Woodstock, <laughs> they, they would fight back. People would throw rocks and they'd jump in the crowd and True. beat the shit out of every single person in that 400,000 person crowd. They definitely would, but they would also never do that. No, they wouldn't. They're not that. They wouldn't play Woodstock in the first place. They wouldn't. That probably not. Um, (sighs) Although we say that, but I think, I think they probably would. I would, and they just, I probably would jam it in everyone's craw. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, Can you imagine Ken Mode at Woodstock? Anyway, I'm becoming a fanboy. (laughs) So they are. uh, They're made up of Jesse Mathewson, Shane Mathewson brothers, also both accountants. Yeah, that's right. Life goals. And at the moment, it seems like Scott Hamilton now is like their permanent basis. Seems like he's there to stay. They've had a bunch, but uh, he he fits well. Yeah. Yeah. So the song, uh, the album is Entrench from 2013. Yeah. And the song is No, I'm in Control. No semicolon. Yeah. I'm in control. Great use of a semicolon. So for me, this song fills the same slot that Break Stuff filled for me in uh, like when I was 16. Right. It's like my... Peak anger, motivation, like get shit done kind of track. Uh-huh. And like, <clears throat> just like if, if I need to power through something, whether it's like at the gym or even like difficulties in my life, various, then like I put on No, I'm in control. And it's the kind of song that like infuses you with power and is like, all right, well, let's let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, and that song you probably heard playing right now as I was talking about it. Oh, yeah. It is fucking brutal. It's a crusher. One of one of my favorite albums of all time at this point, and definitely one of my favorite bands. It's a good one. So that's one. my that's my point A to point B. Nice, good one. How about you? Well, yeah, I uh, I took up the challenge because, I mean, you heard me scoffing through the as <laughs> <laughs> Peter was l- reading off the list of performers. Yeah. Um, but one did stick out, and I mentioned it earlier. It was mm-hmm. Our Lady Peace. Yep. Who, when they, I think when they broke out in 93 or 4, it yep. was actually uh, their second album, uh, Navid. Yeah, so uh, album. Yeah, so at the time I thought it was so good, loved the production, loved the vocals. Yep. Uh, I saw them play a couple times around that time. Nice. Um, so the song I picked off that is Starseed. Yeah. Which I still song. think is a pretty great song. Love that song. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think they've really gone downhill since, yeah. but, uh, are they still I together? Guess like they're still, okay. I guess so. I don't cool. know. Um, but they kind of, 
they're not a they're not a metal band, not even close. But yeah. they do have a certain element of heavy, I guess. But yep. it's just sort of like alt rock kind of guitar focused music that's yep. powerful and and whatever. So mm-hmm. I, I I never really lost sight of that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to think of a, a recently. There's not too much that I'm aware of that uh, as far as new music in that vein, mm-hmm. but there's one band I really, really love, uh, called nothing. Okay. Uh, they're from, I'm pretty sure Philly. Yeah. Um, and they give me like a real strong feeling of the nineties. Okay. Like I think they kind of live there, um, yeah. permanently. Yeah. So their latest album, uh, I think it's called, Dance on the Blacktop. I'm blanking right now. I didn't write it down. Okay, uh, it's pretty great. But the album that came before it, uh, "Tired of Tomorrow," yeah, it's got to be one of my favorite albums of the last five, ten, fifteen years. Nice. It's so good. So uh, the song I picked is it's called uh, A C D Ab- Obsessive okay. Compulsive Disorder. <laughs> okay, and um, great song. Yeah really powerful like yeah. they're not heavy at all but right. they kind of are but I mean they're not metal at all that's what I mean to say okay, but, so they, but they kind of put, they come on on uh, Relapse Records okay which is a metal label almost through and through right so it's kind of a weird it's sort of like shoegaze for metal fans nice basically. okay so they're coming and it sounds like they're coming from the same place as um, yeah absolutely like you've got that like they're not afraid of distortion and like heavy riffs not afraid of that stuff. It's not like they're central. It's, but it's, no, yeah. but there's a there's a very gentle side too, like the vocals and just yeah. Yeah, beautiful melodies. So yeah, awesome. You probably heard some of that too. You heard some of that. Sweet. Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in. A uh, few things. Next time, we're headed uh, to check out a certain North American eruption. Oh. So come back for that one because it's devastating. Oh my And gosh. it is also a disaster. Yeah. Uh, and thanks for tuning in. Uh, like we said at the top, if uh, you'd like to support us, please subscribe wherever you listen. Uh, leave us a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what we're doing well, what we could do better. Um, if you want, you can follow us on social medias, on Twitter and Instagram at This Disaster Pod. And we're also on Facebook. So uh, thanks, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.